The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And on this midweek edition of the Valentine's Views podcast, I think we have a really, really good show for you today. We have a special guest who I am absolutely thrilled to have on the show a bit later. I will have for you a legendary Giants linebacker and current radio analyst Carl Banks who will join the show to talk about all of the things going on with the Giants. You know, currently the Beckham trade, Eli Manning, his expectations for 2019, his thoughts on Dave Gettleman's plan, you know, for the team. A lot of things that we touched on with Carl, and we will play that interview for you a little bit later on. We will also have Pete Scantlebury, who is the co-manager of SB Nation's Rock M Nation website. Rock M Nation is the website that covers the Missouri Tigers. And talking to to Pete is very, very timely since uh, on Thursday of this week, the uh, Missouri will be holding its pro day where quarterback Drew Locke will be the center of attention. And, uh, you know, Locke, of course, you know, could be in the discussion for the Giants in the first round, maybe not at number six, but perhaps at number 17. You know, should he fall to uh, to that range of the 2019 NFL draft? Wanted to touch base on a couple of things before we get to our interviews today. First, you know, I wanted to touch base. You know, a lot of pro days going on this week. Uh, Tuesday, uh, a large Giants contingent including defensive coordinator James Betcher, was at Alabama. On Wednesday, the Ohio State Pro Day, where Dwayne Haskins was, of course, the center of attention, uh, was attended by another large contingent of, of Giants representatives, head coach Pat Shermer, a uh, couple of the scouts, uh, several of the assistant coaches there to check out You know the, the many prospects you know, that uh, – 
that attend Ohio State and were working out today. We heard that the Giants also uh, had uh, had dinner on Tuesday night with Dwayne Haskins. I'm not sure what to read into all of that. I look at it like the Giants are simply doing due diligence, getting to know as much as they possibly can about all of these guys entering the draft. So, uh, And also on Thursday, as I said, coming up, the Missouri Pro Day with Drew Locke. I would anticipate, once again, a large contingent of Giants representatives to be in Missouri to watch Locke work out. So, you know, it's it's an interesting time. You, you think maybe there isn't a whole lot going on. You know, the the main part of free agency is done. The draft is a few weeks away. But there are still things going on, still lots of intrigue. You know, and you never know what's going to happen. You never know what Dave Gettleman might do. But an awful lot, you know, continuing to go on at this point in time. I also did want to uh, to talk a little bit about Dave Gettleman and the quote-unquote plan for the Giants going forward. I don't want to belabor it too much. Uh, Carl Banks and I will discuss that in the interview that I will play for you in a few minutes. But one thing I did want to clarify, I've been criticized for one of the things that I that I have, one point that I have made at Big Blue View, and that's that you really can't judge what Gettleman has done at this point. I strongly believe that you can't do that. I look at it, and you'll hear me reference this in my interview with Carl later, I look at it like a baseball game that lasts nine innings. Right now, there are no games being played. The entirety of free agency isn't over with. We don't know who else will be signed by the Giants. We still don't know what players will be re-signed, you know, guys that were on the roster last year. You have a draft coming up where the Giants have 12 draft picks. Uh, entering the 2020 season, a year from now, the Giants have you know, roughly $100 million in cap space right now. That number will change, but the amount of money that the Giants have to spend in free agency a year from now will be significant. So a lot of things can happen. I look at it like, you know, Gettleman's work here in reconstructing, rebuilding, building, changing, whatever you want to call it, you know, what he's doing with the New York Giants, Gettleman's work is far from done. I, As I, I said to Carl Banks in our interview, I said, uh, if, it's, if this were a baseball game, I think we'd really be in about the third inning right now. So some things have happened, some changes have been made. But you can't just look at it in a vacuum and say, you know, that 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 Gettleman has torn the Giants apart and made them worse. We don't know where he's going with this at this point. We don't know where the, you know, we don't know the the end game. Well, obviously, the end game is to to try to improve the defense in the end, to try to find an heir apparent to Eli Manning. But we don't know who those people are going to be. We don't know how successful, you know, Gettleman will be in finding. You know, players to fill out the defense. We don't know who that quarterback of the future is going to be yet. We don't know who the right tackle is going to be as Gettleman continues to to revamp the offensive line. We don't know if the Giants will be able to add a wide receiver. You know, to uh, to help Eli. You know, in the draft. So there's so many things to be determined yet. So many moves to be made that I think we can't judge what 
is going on here. I mean, you can judge the individual moves in a vacuum, whether you like them or not, but I don't think we can judge the actual overall impact of what Gettleman is doing until we see the finished product, the finished product for 2019, and then longer term, the finished product a couple of years down the road. As I said at Big Blue View, remember, Gettleman is not tearing apart the New England Patriots here. He's looking at a team that has missed the playoffs six of the last seven years, that hasn't won a playoff game since winning the Super Bowl in 2011. He's trying to fix something that's broken. He's not tearing apart something that is already working. And I think we just have to have patience, which I know is a hard thing for fans to do, something that that people don't like. Everybody wants instant gratification. They want answers now. They want to win right now. They want to be a Super Bowl team yesterday and today and tomorrow. Um, you know, but it, it it just doesn't work that way. We have to see where this ends up a year from now, two years from now. Then I think we'll be able to judge once we see which quarterback Gettleman brings in as the successor to Eli Manning. We learn whether that's going to work or not. We learn whether or not he's going to turn this back into a winning franchise, into a team that's going to be able to consistently compete for playoff spots, You know, rather than a team that's going to win three games or five games or seven games every year. So we will see, and I will stand by my belief that you simply can't judge Gettleman's work until such time as it's complete. All right, Giants fans, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. When we come back, I'll play for you my interview with Carl Banks. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Giants fans, special treat for you today. I'm joined now by Carl Banks. 
legendary Giants linebacker and current radio analyst. Carl, really, really, really appreciate you uh, taking a couple minutes. Thanks for having me, Ed. Hey, uh, first thing I have to say is, you know, I, I watch your Twitter account, and y- <laughs> you, you, you have way more patience and way more tolerance for, for some of this stuff than I do, my friend. Well, watch at your own risk. I, uh, <laughs> I have a good time engaging with the fans. Sometimes it's not the most pleasant experience, but... Um, <laughs> You know, you take the good with the bad. I, you know, it's it's the, you know, most of it's the essence of fandom. People are, you know, very emotional about their their teams, and that's what it's all about. You know, it's just the, you know, sometimes people express it in some of the, the harshest ways. But hey, I've been a Knicks fan for thirty years, so I, I can relate. Yeah, uh, that that's uh, I feel bad for you there, Carl. That that's that's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, hey, so so you know, let's 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 get into it. Let you know, people are emotional right now. You know, the Giants haven't been good for a long time, and and obviously, you know, they they just traded Odell Beckham, and and people are emotional. They're kind of raw about that. Um, you know, were you were you you know, really surprised by by the Beckham move, Carl? Oh, I was stunned. I literally, I was in New Orleans at a, um, a conference, and I was walking onto my plane, and my phone rang, and someone asked me if I wanted to come on the radio and talk about Odell Beckham. I'm like, why? What happened? It's like he was just traded to Cleveland, and all I could say was, wow. I, I never saw that coming. Um, I... I'm still shocked. You know, he's uh, one of your team's best players, if not the best player. You know, he's gone. And then, you know, shortly before that, Landon Collins, who was your best defensive player, was gone. And so now you you got a lot to digest, you know. If you're a fan or just a casual observer of the, uh, the Giants, you knew their two best players just left the team. So it's kind of like a lock the process, and you know, and I and I think I after I sat in my seat, I think I I tweeted out the Giants fan base is literally at the trust the process moment. And you know, it's interesting because y- y- you mentioned trust the process, and I I wanted to get into Gettleman, you know, Dave Gettleman a little bit. And, and that's kind of where I am at this point. People want to rush to judgment, and they want to say, Gettleman's insane. You know, Gettleman himself says, you know, people think I'm crazy. But th- the fact of the matter is, what I've been saying is, if you look at it, the Giants have been mostly bad for six out of the last seven years. Sure. Dave is not tearing apart the New England Patriots. He's not even tearing apart the Carolina Panthers. You know, he's uh, he's trying to fix something that that's been broken. And I think that's where I am at this point. It it looks crazy, but I don't think you can judge it until we get a couple of years down the road and and, and see what he can do here. Well, it's like having the car parked in the driveway and it looks great. You know, you're about to buy it. Looks great until you raise the hood and you see all kinds of stuff and then you crawl underneath and you see all kinds of other stuff and you're like, 
whoa, if I buy this car, I'm going to have a lot of work to do on it. And that's really when he got up under the hood of this organization, he saw that there was a lot of work to be done. Now, again, I, you know, I'm not in a position to, to approve or disapprove of the move to get rid of, you know, your best player. Cause I personally thought they should still be a part of what's going on, but you know, it's a business and, um, as far as Odell is concerned, I'm sure if they were going to try to get anything uh, in a trade, that he was their biggest bargaining chip. Um, Landon Collins, I don't know what went into that decision other than the fact that they didn't want to pay him the type of money he was looking for, and that's the business of this game, too. You either franchise a guy perpetually until he's just frustrated and leaves, or um, you let him go. So um, they did that, but it's it's still one of these situations where um, I know Dave Gettleman is not spitballing it. He understands this process. He's been a part of it for a long time, and, you know, fans are very upset. And, you know, listen, I can't tell them not to be. And the only way to... Um, calm down the masses is to put a winner out on the field, you know, give them some opportunity for hope. And that's what, you know, sports fans want. They want hope. So hopefully that happens sooner than later. Yeah, I guess I kind of look at it like, you know, if you looked at it like a baseball game, like a nine inning baseball game, yep. it's, we're in like the third inning at this point. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's he's been through one draft and one free agency uh, with this team, and, you know, the draft was great, the free agency was mixed, and uh, he did not sit and, you know, try to extend scholarships to guys that weren't working out. He got rid of them, you know. He signed some guys, he, they didn't work out, he got rid of them. So now he's on to his next one, and I think that's kind of the, the way you have to operate in this league, um, in order to have success and to get a team on the field that's going to be productive. And, you know, uh, you mentioned the New England Patriots earlier. They cut draft choices all the time. They cut players that don't work out all the time because they know that time is not on your side when you're trying to get a player or you need, you need results from a player who's just not giving them to you. You've got to cut your losses and move on and say, okay, well, we moved on from this person and nobody, you know, nobody knows who John Jerry is now, now that uh, Hernandez is on the roster. You ever hear John Jerry's name? Right. You know, you are one who always used to say with the previous regime, you used to talk a lot about the the idea that that some of these guys, especially draft choices, guys were on scholarship pretty much, you know, once they got drafted, they would stay. And, and I think that, you know, one of the positive things I think we've seen is, yeah, they've made a, a couple of personnel mistakes last year, but I think it's a positive development that we've seen the idea that, that he'll recognize a mistake and, and move to correct it. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, that's what you have to do. Um, because if you don't, you're extending scholarships, and, and guys don't feel like there's any pressure to play because they're just going to collect their checks and continue to be average. You know, that said, 
Let's talk about this idea. You know, Dave raised some eyebrows the other day. He was asked, are you rebuilding? Are you, you know, are you trying to win now? What are you trying to do? And, and he, you know, he said, we're trying to do both. He said, we're trying to win as many football games as we can, you know, in 2019. And we're trying to build, you know, a better roster for the future. I mean, is is he walking a line that's really hard to walk here? Do you have to do one or the other, or can you really do both? Well, you have to do both. That's what what free agency um, has brought upon the league. You don't have the luxury of stockpiling players. You know, you're constantly rebuilding. If some team if if some team is rated, let's just take for instance um, the Baltimore Ravens. They lost three, I think, three key defensive players. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they doing? They had a great defense last year. What are they doing if you lose three key starters? You're rebuilding. You're constantly in a state of rebuilding and trying to win in the process. But rebuilding also means you get younger players so that you know you have them for at least the duration of their first contract. And then you deal with the reality that those players are probably going to be, if they're any good, they're going to be free agents or you're going to have to franchise them. So you're always rebuilding, but you also have to win. You know, and the more you win, the more you have to rebuild anyway because that means you're going to lose some players. Yeah, it's an interesting point because it's not it's 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 never a uh, it's never a straight line. It's never it it's never really you know as black and white as you know fans might like it to be. It's not really one or the other. No, it it, it's, it can't be, and that's the thing that you know fans are in an instant gratification uh, state of mind all the time, and that's fine. They want results. That's all fans want. They don't want to know um, how everything is is put together. They just want to see the end result and want to feel smart about their favorite players. But uh, it's not that easy. I mean, it's it's every team rebuilds every year. Um, When the New England Patriots went into this season, they didn't know if they had a running back. They didn't know if they had a, a number one receiver. You had one guy coming off an injury, and they traded the other guy to the Rams. So what were they doing? They were rebuilding. They were trying to figure out what they were and getting the right players in to do so. Um, So that's just the way it goes. They lost their right tackle this year. Um, So I'm sure they're going to be rebuilding their offensive line. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, let's talk a little bit about, I've seen some of your your stuff on Twitter and some of your stuff on Giants.com. You know, people have gone back and forth on the... uh, on the value of what the Giants got for uh, right. for Odell, you have been very positive in your review of what you think of the the possibilities for Jabril Peppers. You know, we we have no idea what the draft picks are going to turn into, but just talk a little bit about Peppers and and what you like about the young man's game. Well, he's extremely athletic. Um, he's great in space. He's good at, at the line of scrimmage as well. But, you know, for safety, he has incredible range. And when I say range, the ability to come from a far hash and make it to make a play on the sideline of the opposite side of the field is great. And I think, you know, his ability uh, to do that 
gives them so many options in terms of how they can disguise defenses. Um, he's a tough kid. Um, he's a physical kid. So I'm excited about it. And when you look at what the Giants got for Odell, um, you know, they got another first-round draft choice because that's it. In essence, what he is, and he's a first-round draft choice that you know can play uh, as opposed to the guys you you are going to be getting in this draft. So um, I like it. Um, I think he's going to be a great addition to um, the Giants' defense in the absence of a Landon Collins. Now, they're two different type of players, uh, but I think if you had to say – Hey, we're moving on from Landon Collins, who, in my opinion, is like I said, he was their best defensive player. You'd want a guy with this this skill set because he's going to give you an opportunity to uh, install some of those Landon Collins type of uh, defenses in, in place for him. And, you know, the Giants in that that trade was also, I think, the the Olivier Vernon trade. It all sort of went down as one trade. The Giants also got a really good offensive lineman out of that deal too, in in, in Kevin Zeitler. So, you know, Dave's goal of of sort of reconstructing that offensive line seems a little bit closer as well. Well, yeah. So let's look at that. Let's look at the trade off of uh, Zeitler versus um, Olivier Vernon. Now, Olivier Vernon had a probably the, the longest stretch of bad luck um, as any Giant player with ability because he stayed injured. It was something always going on. So those were the things that he couldn't control. And then he had another uh, unforeseeable uh, circumstance also. He didn't have any help on the other side. So he was the only guy rushing the passer So offenses could key on him. The Giants could not blitz. They were not a good blitzing team. So he was the only threat. So he got everybody's attention, every team's attention. So he's probably going to be, I know he's going to be in a better situation there in terms of pass rush, and he'll be able to really kind of resume a career as as an edge rusher where, you know, he spent some years with the Giants. They were unproductive. You know, some were due to injury, other were due to the fact that he just didn't have any more help. And he could get close, but there was nothing coming from the other side. So he was always the guy that was singled out. So um, he'll be in a better situation. The Giants get Zeitler, who is a ready-to-plug-and-play guard. So now they got a ready-made player, too. So it works out for both sides. Let me ask you quickly, you know, obviously moving on from Vernon, moving on from from Collins, bringing in Peppers, I think they brought in Marcus Golden. People wonder about the Giants' defense, and I look at it, you know, kind of where we talked about before. You know, it's we have to wait and see, you know, what kind of players they bring in in the draft, but... But are you? Let me let me ask you this: Are you a James Betcher fan? If you you know, considering if the Giants can get him better personnel, you know, can he build that kind of defense that he had in Arizona? Yeah, I don't see why he can't. And I think I, well, for, to answer your question, yes, I'm a big fan of James Betcher because of how he consistently had good top ten defenses in Arizona, um, and he showed when he has players with diverse skill sets, 
he becomes even more multiple on defense. What he didn't have last year were players with skill sets or skill in some instances. So um, he was kind of hamstrung into what you know what he could do and, and, and how he could move things around. And I think getting a different set of players, a different set of skills, a better level of football player will definitely make him a better defensive coordinator. All right, Carl, a couple more questions for you quickly. We've gotten this far, and I haven't even mentioned Eli Manning to this point. It doesn't surprise me at all, you know, that the Giants are, are continuing down this road with Eli, at least as at the beginning of, of 2019. I didn't really see a better alternative this offseason. Um, you know, where are you on on Eli Manning and what kind of player he still is and, and, and whether the Giants are okay going forward with him right now? I think the Giants are more than okay going forward with him. I have no problem uh, saying that I am an Eli Manning fan, but I also know that Eli won't play forever. And when it's time, you know, I'll be the first to say, well, you know what? He just doesn't have it anymore. But that's not the case right now. The narrative tells you he's done. But when you look at the, the second half of the season, he's far from done. And then for those who want it, you know, who want a change for the sake of change, or for, in their opinion, for the sake of something better, who are you going to replace him with? You know, it's like, okay, we want him out of here, and then you'll be complaining when there's nothing left. And these are some of the same people who thought Kyle Loretta was ready to play. You know, they stood on the they stood on their soapbox and pounded uh, for Kyle Laletta. Let him play. He's a better. He's he gives us our best chance. He's mobile. Well, you saw what he was. <laughs> you know, when they put him in there, and right. that's not a knock on him. He just wasn't ready. Right. Yeah. The the backup quarterback. You know, always the least popular guy in the room is always the the guy playing quarterback when things aren't going well. Well, it is kind of a, a glimpse into the future too. For those people, if the Giants draft a quarterback, which I'm, you know, hoping they do, don't be so much of, a, don't be in such a hurry to see the new guy, because oh. he's got to learn to play too, and he's got to get ready to learn to play before he does that. So it's a process. So you throw him in there and they, he doesn't play well, then you're gonna say that he was a bust. Oh, uh, Carl, what are you doing? Preaching? Sure he's ready to go. Preaching patience here? Come on. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a it's a, a novel concept these days because people think you hurt a quarterback if they don't play right away. That's not the case. It's never been the case. You know, ask Aaron Rodgers. Was that the case? You know, so everybody, it's only what they see recently. Well. The Kansas City model. Well, what was the Kansas City model? That was the San Francisco 49er model when uh, there was Steve Young and Joe Montana. You know, there's always another model when somebody's behind somebody. Yeah, and you know, there's there's a lot of ways to do it, and and I do th- I do think when it comes to Eli, there's there's this this rush to blame him for everything that's that's gone wrong and and there's this rush to get him out the door and and, and unfortunately I think you're absolutely right I think people will will miss him more than they think once he is gone but it's mind-boggling and I know this is New York 
But I've never seen a fan base turn so vehemently against one of their best players in the in the franchise history. And I don't even blame them. I blame them for drinking everything that or intaking everything that they see on national broadcast. You know, if if someone who's supposed to be smart says, Ah, Eli's not that good, he's time for him to go, he's over then all of a sudden everybody else is parenting that that narrative and that's just not the case. And they could do a lot worse, I can tell you that. Yeah, I think we I think we got a little hint of that uh, of that last year. Um, hey, last question for you, Carl. Um, you have said on Twitter that you're predicting, and that you you did this, you know, long before all of the 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 trade with Odell went down, and and a lot of that. You've been saying that you think the Giants are going to wind up in the playoffs in 2019. You sticking with that? And I'm uh, sticking with it 100. percent and uh, what what makes you feel that way at this point? Okay, well, um, obviously, I, you know, I thought they'd have Odell, but they don't. So let's look at what they did without him and their um, the distribution of the offense and uh, the way they performed down the stretch. And I just think if they had better defense in some of those games, they were closer to the playoffs than they were away from the playoffs. Yeah, I think so much comes down to, you know, I do I do tend to agree with you that, that I think they showed that, that they can play good offense. And so much of it comes down for me at this point to, you know, that they made a couple moves on defense. Can they continue to fill the holes that they have on defense? And, and, and can they use this draft to really add, you know, one or two players that, that can help them pretty quickly? Well, that's the that's the burning question everybody has now, um, because you're in wait and see mode. You want to see um, what they draft and how those draft have, how those drafted players perform. So it'll be interesting. Oh, it's always interesting, Carl. I don't know about you. The Giants the Giants haven't been winning games, but they certainly are interesting these days. <laughs> yes, they are. That is for sure. Carl, I really appreciate your your spending some time. I I know I've I know I've asked you to do this a few times, and I appreciate your your making a little bit of time to uh, to to uh, to talk to to me and uh, and educate the fans a little bit. All right, I appreciate you having me. Ed. Hey, thanks, Carl. Thank you. All right, Giants fans, we thank Carl Banks for spending a few minutes with us. Always great to hear from Carl. His insights, his knowledge of the game are invaluable. The fact that he is willing to uh, come on and talk to me and share those with you is something that that I really, really do appreciate. Hopefully, uh, that won't be the last time we have Carl on. Hopefully, he'll do that uh, with us again. Always fantastic and educational to hear what Carl has to say. Next for you, Giants fans, I have an interview that I did with Pete Scantlebury of Rock M Nation that covers the Missouri Tigers for SB Nation. Uh, Obviously, we have done uh, interviews with, with folks about Kyler Murray. We've done interviews with folks about Daniel Jones. We've done interviews with folks about Dwayne Haskins here on Big Blue View Radio. 
with the Missouri Pro Day coming up on Thursday and with the Giants having two first-round picks, you know, potentially, you know, being in the quarterback market, you know, Drew Locke, the Missouri quarterback, is someone that we had to get to at some point. Uh, so we had the opportunity to speak with uh, with Pete regarding his thoughts on Drew Locke. Let me play that interview for you now. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Pete Scantlebury of Rock'em Nation. He's the co-manager of that website, which covers the Missouri Tigers. And uh, in case you, you didn't realize that, the Missouri Tigers, of course, were quarterbacked last year by Drew Locke, who happens to be a guy who uh, who could wind up being your New York Giants quarterback of the future after the the upcoming 2019 NFL draft and and Pete joins us to talk about uh, to talk about that possibility. Uh Pete, thanks very much for uh, for coming on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, I've I've covered Drew Locke since he was a sophomore in high school, so I am uh, very familiar with him and uh uh, have a lot to say on, on Drew Locke and his uh, NFL future. Interesting. So does that? So were you a uh, a high school sports writer covering uh, covering Locke at that point in time? Yeah, I, I actually I was a managing editor for uh, PowerMizzou.com for about eight years um, for uh, the, in the Rivals.com network. Um, so you know I covered recruiting and Missouri football and basketball and other sports. Uh, but uh, um, I live in Kansas City, and uh, Locke is from the Kansas City area suburb, Lee Summit. Um, and so I just got, uh, you know, with him being so high profile, started covering him when he was young in high school, uh, when it started to become apparent that he was going to be a, a pretty big-time recruit, and um, got to know him and his family over the years. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been a fun ride to see him uh, kind of come into his own over the last couple of years. So, so that means you guys are buddies, and and you can get us an interview with Locke, right? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean his I... dad? His dad does have a, a number of very fantastic restaurants throughout the Kansas City area. So, if you're ever in Kansas City, I can help you get a reservation. But I can't really, probably can't get you an, an interview well, like that. Well, well, we love food, but you know, but we'd like that interview with Drew a little bit more. <laughs> so, so let's talk about. Drew Locke and let me let me start with a very simple question you know it it looks to me and and you know Dave Gettleman is is kind of talking in circles a little bit about the quarterback plan and he's talked about using the the Kansas City model that the Chiefs used with Patrick Mahomes and and all of that to to try to find the Giants quarterback if the Giants take Drew Locke let's say Drew Locke is still sitting there at 17 you know, and and you know, just 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 for for grins, you know, Locke is there at seventeen, and the Giants take him at at that point. In the in the end, are the Giants going to be happy with that? And is Gettleman going to wind up? You know, he says his dream is to is to get them a franchise quarterback, and and, and is Drew Locke going to be that guy if the Giants pick him? You know, I I think so, but with a caveat. Um, I, I think that Locke is going to be a guy that, in, in with the Giants and obviously with Eli Manning still being there, this is kind that would kind of be the perfect situation for him. Um, I, I think Locke, if he's rushed into being you know the savior of a franchise in year one, maybe even year two, um, that could set him up for 
uh, some struggles that could that could really delay his um, his development, and maybe and maybe he he'll never fully realize his potential if that happens. But um, in a situation like the Giants, where he might be sitting for a year or two, uh, learning from a guy like Eli Manning, I really do think that Locke has all of the intangibles, all the talent. Um, that that does make him a franchise quarterback. I just think whatever team does pick him, they need to show a little patience with him. And where would you put him? I mean, obviously you've watched him for a long time. If it was you, you know, as an NFL GM, you have Kyler Murray up there, you have Dwayne Haskins up there, you have Daniel Jones in the mix as well. Where would you put Locke in that pecking order? You know, it's been really hard for me to try to figure that out because these quarterbacks at the top of the draft this year, they all seem to be so different. Um, um, I think in terms of looking at pure arm strength, um, I think Locke is is number one or 1A, 1B with Kyler Murray maybe. I still think Locke has a better arm than Murray, um, but uh, I, I would put him right at the top in arm strength. Um, you know, accuracy, he's probably going to be a little bit lower just because um, everybody's seen the numbers from his college days. Um, now, granted, I think that's a little misleading because he went through three offensive coordinators at Missouri in four years. I don't think he was really set up for the kind of success he could have had if he was in one system. Um, but at the same time, too, he adapted to all three systems and ended up putting up pretty big numbers in college. Um, I mean, I, I would put him. If you're just looking at arm strength, if you're looking at that kind of like resiliency, I guess, because of everything that went down at Missouri when he was the starting quarterback, I'd put him, you know, maybe number two. I mean, I, I still think I, I do like Kyler Murray. I mean, I don't know about his NFL future with his size, but like I do think he's a fantastic athlete and fantastic player and fantastic quarterback. Um, and I put him I put Locke maybe like right below Murray. Um, I, I think he's better than Haskins, and I don't know enough about Daniel Jones to be candid to to kind of rank him in in, in regards to the Duke quarterback. So, Pete, when you talk about you know the things that went on at Missouri and him having, I think you said three offensive coordinators, mm-hmm. you know, during his career there, you know, not all of us are as familiar with with the Missouri football program as you are. Just expand on that a little bit and tell us a little bit about what you're talking about in terms of 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 what he went through, you know, in his time with the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. So as he came in as a uh, you know top 100 player in the nation, uh, one of the top quarterbacks um, at the time. This was the 2015 season. Uh, Missouri had a quarterback by the name of Matty Mock, who was the incumbent starter. He had led Missouri to varying degrees of success, but he led them to back-to-back SEC East uh, titles. Um, uh, and uh, he was he was suspended and kicked off the team as a senior, um, or I guess he was a junior, redshirt junior, in 2015. Locke was forced into being the starting quarterback that year, and it was way too early for him. Um, he, he had a couple of good games, some big moments, but for the most part, he was just on his back for the rest of the season. Um, the offensive coordinator at that point, time was a guy by the name of josh henson who i forget where he's at now um he was at oklahoma state he's kind of bounced around maybe he's at arizona state now i think either way uh, regardless that offensive system was more uh predicated on the run power power run out of the spread um it, it really wasn't that 
much of a traditional kind of passing offense. Um, the next year, obviously, there's a coaching change. Uh, Missouri's coach retired, brought in a new guy, a new offensive coordinator, who was Josh Heupel, who's now Central Florida's head coach. Um, Heupel's offense is uh, as spread as you can get. I mean, Locke was just reading one side of the field. Um, and some plays, they wouldn't even have on one side of the field, the receiver wouldn't even be running a route. He would just be standing there, and Locke would just be reading the other side of the field. Um, Locke put up some pretty big numbers. Uh, obviously, as a junior in 2017, he put up huge numbers in that system um, as he kind of settled in and set the SEC single-season uh, passing touchdown record. Um, Heupel left to go become UCF's head coach, like I said, and then uh, Missouri to uh, – it's probably I would say, safe to say it was a controversial pick, brought in Derek Dooley, the former Tennessee head coach, former uh, Giants, former Cowboys uh, receivers coach, I think most recently was where he was, um, and he installed a uh, – I, I don't know exactly how to explain it. It's a spread offense, but probably more pro-style spread, if that makes any sense. It was much more complicated. Locke had to really go through his reads, go through his progressions, um, and he did. He didn't put up the same numbers, but Locke had, had a damn good year um, in that system. And so, again, what I'm saying is that Locke had three offensive coordinators. He had coaching changes throughout his career. He had three similar but pretty different offensive systems, um, and he still put up uh, pretty big numbers. And, again, I mean, you can uh, – Missouri fans might be critical of the wins, lot the wins and losses under Drew Locke, but without Drew Locke, Missouri is a bottom dweller. Um, so what, what Locke did at Missouri with all that adverse adversity is uh, is pretty incredible, honestly. So okay, we know about the the physical skill set. We know mm-hmm. about the the arm strength. We know you know he's he's got the size to be an NFL quarterback. Let me let me change the question a little bit. You know, normally, you know, we would ask you, and I kind of have asked you, you know, for the things that that would make him succeed. If there is something about Drew Locke that would cause him to fail as an NFL quarterback, or a scenario in which he might fail, you know, what what do you think that might be? Um, I would say, and I don't know if you can really put all the blame on him for this, but it, it has become a thing where um, in the biggest moments at Missouri, Locke uh, maybe didn't reach his potential. Um, there were some pretty crippling losses for Missouri that probably could have been avoided um, with more consistent play by, by Locke himself, um, you know, key parts of the game, something like that. Um, so I, I think you can point to the fact that he hasn't had that um, – I, I don't know how to explain it. He, he just – sometimes the stage might seem a little a little too big in his college career. Um, now, granted, that's not always the case. I mean, he did have some pretty good wins, especially this past year. I mean, they beat Florida that ended you know top ten in the nation, and they throttled Florida, and Locke had a huge game. Um, so he kind of rewrote that narrative a little bit. But I think that's the one criticism uh, of Locke's Missouri career was just, um, you know, can he reach his full potential in the biggest moments? Okay, so we have coming up on Thursday morning the Missouri Pro Day. And we all know that these Pro Days are, you know, they're scripted. These quarterbacks, you know, they prepare for them. They practice each and every throw that they're going to make. 
You know, they're in shorts and t-shirts. They should look fantastic. And, and if they don't, you know, that's an issue. But what should we be looking for from Locke on Thursday? What, if anything, can he prove, you know, to NFL scouts or does he need to prove to NFL scouts on Thursday? You know, I, I don't think he needs to prove anything on Thursday and I don't think he really can. I mean, I think at this point, you know, he's gone through the senior bowl. He's gone through the combine. He's thrown at the combine. Um, he's going to be throwing at private workouts for teams. I mean, I, I think this pro day is really, I mean, I think the only reason he's even throwing at this pro day is to, to bring in more scouts to help his teammates that are going to be there too, to help them get more attention. I mean, I, I really don't think unless he suddenly, uh, you know, gets the yips and can't complete a pass. I, I don't think anything, nothing's going to happen on Thursday. That's going to dramatically increase or decrease his draft stock. Um, you know, he's, he's been, all the reports are he's been really good in interviews and that does not surprise me. He's a really great kid. And, um, you know, he's got a, a good amount of, not Baker Mayfield swagger, but he's got a good amount of swagger about him. Um, I, I just don't think this pro day really matters in the grand scheme of things. Again, now that's saying if he falls off a cliff, that's one thing, but I, I just don't see this affecting his draft stock, um, in, in any meaningful way on Thursday. Okay, Pete, before I let you go, I did want to ask you about some of the other Missouri prospects that will be uh, at the Pro Day on Thursday. You sort of uh, you sort of led into that. Just tell me a little bit about some of the other guys who who are really, you know, probably draft worthy and who we should know about for Thursday. Yeah, so um I think probably the the biggest name um and this this could be I, I'm not completely familiar with the Giants situation, but obviously the the Beckham trade is is you, you don't miss that. But uh, Manuel Hall was a receiver um, for uh, was a receiver for Missouri. He was their best receiver. He had some uh, groin injuries this past year, so he was kind of limited. But um, when healthy, he was by far Drew Locke's top target, and I mean he was unstoppable to to put it uh, simply in SEC play when he was healthy. Um, if he can stay healthy, he's a guy that, you know, he'll probably be a mid-round pick at best. But um, if he can stay healthy, I think he's a guy that's going to have a really long, productive NFL career. I mean, he can take the top. He's a big, bigger guy. I mean, not huge, but you know, six three, two hundred pounds, um, and he can take the top off a lot of a, def- a lot of defense, especially in college. So I think he's one guy to look at. Um, they have a, a big tight end named Kendall Blanton, who uh, didn't test in terms of like speed that well, but he measured in at just under six, seven, 265 pounds. He's a guy that I honestly think, um, in the NFL, he could move to tackle. I think that, I think he has the ability to put on some weight. He's super athletic and could be a productive tackle down the road in the NFL. Um, and finally they have, uh, I would say the, the other name to kind of watch is a defensive tackle by the name of Terry Beckner jr. Came in out of high school as a five-star recruit, um, had a, productive if not spectacular college career he tore his acl twice uh, i think both knees actually so an acl on both knees uh and he's another guy if he's healthy i think he's going to be a very solid um nfl guy for you know for a good number of years i don't think he'll be a star but i think he'll be a solid rotational guy um and obviously this guy is not uh going to be at the pro day on thursday but i do want to say this um i know the giants just signed marcus golden and he's another former missouri player and I don't know how familiar 
Giants fans are, not just with Marcus Golden with what he did at Arizona when he was healthy, but Marcus Golden is one of the best people that you guys could ever have uh, uh, could ever root for. I mean, he is a fantastic guy. I got to know him again through the recruiting process at Missouri. He went to he signed with Missouri out of high school, couldn't qualify, went to JUCO, still stayed with Missouri, and became one of Missouri's best defensive linemen. Um, I, I just want to say he is a huge pickup for the Giants, and if he stays healthy. I think Giants fans will will be very pleasantly surprised with what he does. And again, he's just, he's the easiest guy to root for. He is such a great guy. Well, thanks for that, Pete. Little little bonus scouting report on a guy <laughs> that uh, that the Giants are are really crossing their fingers and hoping that he's he's back from the ACL injury that he had and and that we see the, the 2017 Marcus Golden instead of, or the 2016 Marcus Golden instead of the the injury-plagued guy we've seen the last couple of years. That would be huge for the Giants' defense. Yeah, absolutely. And again, he's a guy that's going to go 100% all the time and great guy on and off the field. So I I really hope the best for him and for the Giants with him this year. So, Pete, I know that uh, that you guys, we've been talking a little bit, and I know that that Rockham Nation will be represented at the Pro Day. Why don't you just tell folks where they can find you guys on Twitter – you know, if they want to follow along with some of the Pro Day updates. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the website is rockmnation.com. So that's rock, the letter M is, is in man, and then nation. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at rockmnation as well. Uh, we'll have updates. Uh, we'll have at least one reporter there, and uh, we'll try to get some good intel for everybody. Pete, thank you very much for uh, for dropping some some Drew Locke knowledge and some Marcus Golden knowledge on us. Uh, we appreciate it. And you know, if uh, if the Giants happen to uh, happen to draft Drew Locke, maybe we'll uh, be talking again. Absolutely, look forward to it. Thank you. All right, great stuff from Pete regarding Drew Locke, regarding new Giants edge defender Marcus Golden, and several of the other Missouri uh, draft prospects who will be working out at the Missouri Pro Day. We thank Pete. We again thank Carl Banks you know, for spending time with us. I really hope you've enjoyed this show today, Giants fans. And with that said, please remember to... Subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Make sure that you're listening not only to my show, but to the show that Chris Flum and Dan Pizzuta put together for you at least twice a week. Please remember, you know, check out BigBlueView.com if you haven't done that already. Join the community so that you can chat with Giants fans. Uh, please remember you can email questions to bigblueview at gmail.com. You can also drop them to at bigblueview on Twitter. Use the hashtag BBVMailbag, and uh, I'll try to answer you know your questions you know that you sent there. Uh, each Saturday we do a mailbag, so I'll try to uh, to select the best ones and, and use them there. All right, Giants fans, it's been a long show for you today. Hope you've uh, hope you've gotten a lot out of it. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you'll tune in again. Thank you much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.